Hello, and welcome to this latest podcast of Chris Brain of Chris Brain Associates. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about local authority commercial property investment. I suppose have a discussion with myself about whether commercial property investment by local authorities is dead. In recent weeks, we've seen increasing numbers of local authorities shelving their commercial property investment programs. So here I'm just going to explore the changes to the PWLB borrowing approvals uh, framework and what options this might leave a local authority committed to continuing their commercial property investment program. So maybe this sounds familiar to you. Maybe you're a local authority finance director and you've seen central government grant support fall by around half over the past 10 years. And to help fill that gap, you've developed a capital and investment strategy that seeks to invest partly in commercial property acquisition. Concerned about your and other authorities' gambling habit though, the UK government introduces new rules on local authority borrowing, which on the face of it will scupper your investment plans. Now, if you can relate to this scenario, then perhaps in this podcast, we can shed some light on what is going on and where you can go next. Now, just prior to the start of the pandemic, uh, the HM Treasury began a consultation on changing borrowing rules through the Public Works Loan Board, the PWLB. The changes were intended to put a firm lid on buying commercial property for pure yield. With the publication of the new PWLB rules and guidance on the 25th of November 2020, many in local government are wondering if the days of local authority commercial investment might be over. Some finance directors have previously confided in me in the expectation of the PWLB consultation that they might simply reprofile their capital programme so that borrowing is only used on allowed projects with internal borrowing used for commercial activities. However, HM Treasury have thought about that and found a clever ruse to stop that from happening. Capital spending plans will have to be submitted in advance and if a local authority intends to buy commercial assets primarily for yield even using their own reserves then they will be prevented in future from taking PWLB borrowing in that financial year. Now HM Treasury have a, a difficult challenge on the one hand they want to continue to make borrowing available for service projects housing regeneration and refinancing but they want to prevent borrowing primarily for yield. They clearly believe they have come up with a way of doing just that. Now the government has chosen to issue guidance rather than strict definitions because of the challenges of, of if you like, developing uh, strict definitions that reliably give uh, the intended organised categorization when applied to something as diverse as local government. These arrangements apply to local authorities in England, Scotland and Wales operating under the Prudential Code. They apply to all capital spending, whether it's within the local authority's borders or outside. So each local authority that wishes to borrow from the PWLB will in future have to submit a high level description of their capital spending and financing plans for the following three years. 
including their expected use of PWLB. Now, local authorities will, of course, be able to revise these plans in year um, as required. It will fall to the Section 151 officer or equivalent to provide an assurance that the local authority is not borrowing in advance of need and does not intend to buy investment assets primarily for yield. So when applying for a new loan, the local authority will be required to confirm that the plans they have most recently submitted remain current and that the assurance that they do not intend to buy investment assets primarily for yield remains valid. So what are the authorised categories for borrowing? Well, the guidance sets out categories that are authorised. These include, for example, service spending, housing, regeneration, preventative and treasury management. Individual projects and schemes may have characteristics, of course, of several different categories. Um, in these cases, the Section 151 officer or equivalent of the authority will need to use their professional judgment to assess the main objective of the investment and consider which category is the best fit. So I suppose the question will be, having publicised publicized these categories of authorised borrowing, what sort of impact is this likely to have? Now, the type of investment that might well slow down to a crawl could be the out-of-area acquisitions, property acquisitions. I think it's going to be very hard, perhaps not impossible, but very hard for local authorities to justify these purchases on the grounds of the five approved borrowing categories. Some may succeed. You know, whether the local economic area goes beyond their authority's boundary, but I'm guessing there's not going to be too many Section 151 officers willing to put their name to many such business cases. For those that remain passionate about the commercial investment and see it as a new necessity, so how do they keep that going? Will they be able to find a way around the clever HM Treasury rules? What will be the next move for local authorities intent on continuing on their commercial property investment journey, albeit there may be few of those, fewer of those than there might have been. So the question is, I suppose, for Section 151 officers um, and finance directors is what can we invest in? And the answer to that is how individual Section, 1, Section 151 officers will form their interpretation of the category definitions. The housing category is actively Activity, sorry, the housing category is an activity normally captured in the HRA and general fund housing sections of the COR or housing delivered through a local authority housing company. This does provide scope on the face of it for continuation of housing schemes, including through local authority owned companies, and does not appear to restrict the borrowing to social or affordable housing as such. Section 151 officers will place their own interpretation on that of course. Things get really interesting when we start to consider the regeneration category. Now this potentially provides scope to mask commercial activity if individual Section 151 officers choose to do so. Regeneration projects are described in the guidance as having characteristics that fall into one of four areas. Firstly, the project is addressing an economic or social market failure by providing services, facilities, or other amenities that are of value to local people and would not otherwise be provided by the private sector. 
Secondly, the local authority is making a significant investment in an asset beyond the purchase price, developing the asset to improve it or change its use or otherwise making a significant financial investment. Thirdly, the project involves or generates significant additional activity that would not otherwise happen without the local authority's intervention, perhaps creating jobs and or social or economic value. And fourthly, while some parts of the project may generate rental income, these rents are recycled within the project or applied to related regeneration projects rather than being applied to wider services. Now, whether under ethical pressure or not, the proposed new guidance does leave gaps to be exploited, should the Section 151 officer be minded to do so. No set of rules or guidance can ever be watertight completely, especially at this first iteration. The key to the guidance is what the investment is primarily for, given that many projects will straddle the boundaries of the categories. If you have any projects that are primarily for yield, then borrowing is simply not available to you. But that does not prevent you from borrowing for projects that are primarily for other purposes, which also happen to generate a financial yield. For, authority, for authorities that wish to continue to generate commercial income in order to protect services, the challenge will be finding projects that deliver much more than financial yield, such that they cannot be accused of investing in projects primarily for yield. Any yield in any such project will have to be secondary to another prime purpose. So alongside that potential masking, if you want to call it that, of commercial intent, there remain a number of opportunities for local authorities to continue to dabble openly and deliberately with commercial property investment. One option might be the ring fence rents from a yield project, recycling them either within the project or applying them to other similar projects with related or similar project outcomes. The requirement on the Section 151 officer set out in the guidance is to provide an assurance that the local authority is not borrowing in advance of need and does not intend to buy investment assets primarily for yield. It does not ask you to provide assurance that you are not investing in assets primarily for yield. Maybe a slight distinction, maybe very subtle, um, and we'll see whether the Treasury changed the, the terminology. So where you already have yield-based assets, you could possibly ring-fence some of that existing revenue income to invest on that asset or other yield-bearing assets to improve investment performance and yields. So recycling and internal investment. This might be a case of looking at your existing legacy property portfolio and spotting opportunities where an injection of investment could generate greater yields as opposed to going externally and acquiring brand new investments. Now, because the guidance is framed around borrowing to buy and not borrowing to invest, there appears to be no restriction on borrowing to build new yield-bearing investments on existing local authority land. So another option to consider might be buying yield projects where you intend to inject further investment beyond the initial purchase price. This might be through refurbishing or repurposing the acquired asset. This appears also to be a perfectly leg legitimate borrowing category. So authorities that are land rich 
may want to consider that option. So for example, you could buy an office building with the intention of converting it, say, into residential or other uses for yield. Alternatively, you could buy a rundown industrial estate with a view to gaining vacant possession, demolishing it, and then redeveloping the site to create a new business or retail park in the name of regeneration rather than primarily for yield. A neat way of recycling capital might be using PWLB funds to buy or build new service assets, for example, a new admin office building or a new leisure centre, and then repurposing the existing redundant building into a yield asset. A fourth opportunity is land assembly for development, which again appears to be a legitimate borrowing category under the new guidance. So if you are looking to bring about some development in your area to affect a regeneration scheme, then borrowing for land assembly appears to be quite legitimate. Finally, and perhaps a little bit more obscure, is the opportunity to buy or form a property-based company rather than buying the assets directly. This is something that at least one local authority I know of has done in recent years. Now, obviously, every scenario needs to be looked at on a case-by-case -case basis. You need to satisfy yourself and satisfy the Section 151 officer that whatever scheme or acquisition you have in mind meets the PWLB rules and that after acquisition, you will not be prevented from accessing borrowing that you were otherwise intending to access. So this briefing, this, 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 this podcast can only really deal in general terms with general information um, and you'll need to secure, of course, your own detailed advice on specific proposals, specific acquisitions or specific projects or schemes. But it seems to me there are still opportunities to invest and to generate investment income. Authorities just may need to be a little bit smarter. They may, may need to do a little more work on identifying investment opportunities beyond simply going to the market and buying and buying investments off the shelf. Any Section 151 officer that has read the consultation and the rules may already be hatching their own plans. Some might be waiting for more certainty to arrive in property markets post-COVID. Will local authorities find some, some workarounds and continue to buy commercial property investments in their areas? Now, with the impact of COVID on local property vacancy rates, it may arguably become easier to make a case than it ever has been as pretty much every local authority will be seeking to revitalise their local economy and their high streets. The trick will be finding investment opportunities that are primarily for things other than yield or can be safely described as such, but nevertheless providing an acceptable investment return and an acceptable risk. Now, local authorities, I think, should expect that their auditors will review their internal decision-making processes and that's quite right. It's, this, this will involve a process, I'm sure, of looking at the borrowing decision and the investment decision, and may well include the assessment of whether their plans, your local authorities' plans, are compliant with the lending terms of the PWLB. Local authorities will need to make sure that these processes are robust. Auditors do not have the power to overrule the assessment of the Section 151 officer or equivalent, whether local authorities' plans are compatible uh, with access to PWLB. 
But if auditors raise concerns about these processes, HM Treasury may well contact the local authority to seek to understand the situation. There's no question in my mind that um, the past decisions around commercial property investment um, are coming under, coming under greater scrutiny than perhaps they ever did. And one of the reasons for that clearly is that there has been some seismic change in property markets, in certain property markets, um, partly were happening prior to the arrival of, of COVID, but certainly been um, exaggerated by COVID. And so there have been quite a number of local authority commercial property acquisitions, uh, and those authorities are currently publicizing, not necessarily voluntarily, but publicizing um, on paper losses against those assets. And so this is still going to be an issue that's very much in the public domain. Whether that will result in more local authorities being put off commercial property investment remains to be seen. We're certainly seeing quite a few authorities uh, taking that road. But undoubtedly, because of the financial position uh, exacerbated by COVID, uh, authorities are clearly going to still be looking for independent sources of reliable income to supplement losses in central government support. Commercial property investment is one route to do that. So I hope you found this podcast uh, useful, valuable and interesting. Uh, and I look forward to uh, you joining us on a future podcast um, uh, down the road. Thank you very much, uh, Chris Brain from Chris Brain Associates. Thank you.